hey, can we give it up for our worship team one more time? That was amazing. And I love those guys. That was awesome. That was really, really special. That was great. Um, hey, let's pray real quick. Let's pray. I just feel like we, we need to pray right now. Dear Jesus, thank you for what we just sang. God, you are great. You are good. And God, I, as, as just, just reflecting on, on the songs that we just sang and the truth we're about to see from your word, uh, God, I'm convinced that today is no accident. You, you are putting something together. And I believe you're putting something, I believe you're putting something together for people today. I believe you're putting something together for the person that's come today because they don't know what else to do or where to go. God, I think you're, you're putting something together today for, for that person. They're saved. They're a Christian. But they're looking at their life and they're thinking, this has not gone the way that I planned it to go. They're looking at their life and, and they're thinking they, they don't know what to do next. God, I just think that you, you, you are putting something very special together right now. So God, have your way in this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, hey, well, today I'm excited uh, that you guys that you, you guys are here today uh, because today is May the 4th. Does anybody know what today is? Star Wars Day. Praise the Lord. Star Wars Day. And five people. Um, you got to know stuff like that if you want to go to heaven. And uh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But today is Star Wars Day, um, and, and if you know me, you know that, that I love Star Wars. I'm a Star Wars fan, and I'm convinced. Let me just share this with you. I'm not trying to brag, but I'm just convinced that God planned before, before God created anything else, God planned for me to be a Star Wars fan. Um, let me just share, share with you the evidence. My birthday's May the 14th, uh, so you got a couple of weeks. I'm giving you some weeks notice, guys, so you need to get ready for that. I don't know what you've got planned, but I'm giving you enough notice that it should be good this far in advance. My birthday's May the 14th. Do you know who else's birthday is May the 14th? George Lucas. George Lucas. And he and I, we always call each other every May the 14th. It's so fun. Um, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> just joking. Um, he wishes he could meet me. Um, but I'm just kidding again. I'm just kidding again. George Lucas created Star Wars. He and I share a birthday. Um, but, I, but I love Star Wars. And I've always, I've always loved Star Wars. It's always been a big thing in my life. And I remember several years ago when they were, when, when, when the new Star Wars prequels were about to come out. Does anybody remember that time? It was a blessed time in our country's history. Um, episodes one, two, and three. Episode one was about to come out, and, and, and it was a great time. If you're a Star Wars fan, if you're a nerd like me or whatever, it was just a tremendous time. But I remember episode one, The Phantom Menace was about to come out, and needless to say, I was pumped. I was fired up, man. Fired up. I mean, I was getting I was getting on the internet all the time to read about the movie. I had my Star Wars pajamas on every night. I'm just kidding about getting on the internet. And uh, <laughs> um, so I'll never forget. I will never forget opening day Star Wars Episode One. This was a big deal in my mind. In my mind, my life would be marked by only a few events: the day I met Jesus Christ, the day I married my wife the days of the birth of my children, and the day episode one came out. Those were the four. And I was watching that movie. It was a big deal. The lights came down, and it starts the way that they're, they're all, they all start. And I'm watching this movie, and then a few hours later, the movie ends. The, the new Star Wars movie, episode one, wraps up, and I had this thought to myself, that was awful. 
That was one of the worst things I'd ever experienced in my life. I mean, the fact that someone thought Jar Jar Binks was a good idea shows original sin and depravity is a real thing, okay? But, but I just saw that, and I just thought, that was atrocious. But here's what I did. Here's what I said. That was awesome because I wanted it to be good. See, I walked, I walked in there, and I was thinking, this is going to be great, and it had not went the way I had planned it to go. In fact, I was so determined to make that a good movie, I saw episode one that summer five times. Over and over. I even went one time to an IMAX screen because I thought maybe if it's bigger, it's not as bad. It was still bad. Really big, it's still bad. It's a horrible movie, but here's what I got. Here's what happened. I walked in and I was thinking, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be great. And here's the problem. It didn't go. It didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. Has life ever done you that way? You thought it was going to go one way, and all of a sudden, here you sit today. Maybe you're in the middle of it. Maybe you're on the other side of it. But you're looking at it, and you're thinking this. This is not what I thought it was going to be like. I I thought it was going to go different. And so there you sit, wherever you're at in this stage of your life, wherever your bleacher is in the stands, and you're looking at your life, you're looking at your circumstances, and you're thinking this, this is not going the way that I thought it would go. Ever happened to you? See, today we're wrapping up this series called Welcome Home. And what we've done in this series is we've we've talked about one word. We've talked about this idea that's all over the Bible, and it's this idea called grace. And what we've said every week is that grace means the absolutely free love of God, mercy of God, and forgiveness of God. It's, It's absolutely free. You don't have to do anything to work to get those things. What you do is you just simply receive those things. So if you're here today and maybe church and this whole deal is new to you, I want to say to you today, you are loved by God today. God loves you. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what kind of week that you're just walking out of. You are loved by God today. You don't have to work to get him to love you. He already does. And the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God You don't work to get that, you receive it because the work has already been done through Jesus Christ. And so what we've said is that grace is really like this giant banner that just says, welcome home. And it's available for anybody and everybody at all times. It's available for anyone here today who wants to receive the grace of God. And what we talked about last week was how grace is like a solid foundation that we can build our lives on and our eternity on. And the solid foundation that we talked about last week is this idea that when Jesus came to earth, Jesus took all of our sin, all of our hang-ups, and all of our struggles, and all of our addiction, Jesus took those things on himself. Jesus took all of our sins on himself on the cross. And then what we get from him is when we receive the grace of God, we get what we saw last week is known as the righteousness of God of Christ, meaning we get a perfect relationship with God. We get absolute acceptance from God the moment we receive God's grace. That's a solid foundation. That's a solid foundation. And see, guys, listen, because grace is grace, grace never moves. Grace always goes the way that God says it will go. There was grace for you yesterday if you're a child of God. There is grace for you today if you're a child of God. There's going to be grace tomorrow and the next day. Grace is really predictable. 
It, it, it never leaves. It is always there. If you're here today, you're not a Christian. It's available for you right now. Grace never moves. But here's the question. What do you do when life moves you? Grace is always the same, but life is rarely the same, isn't it? Grace is predictable. Have you noticed life is never predictable? Have you noticed this? Have you, have you noticed that as much as you try to, to predict life, it just becomes more unpredictable? Life is really a lot like a roller coaster. It's, it's got ups and downs and twists and turns, and you can't really see what's coming up next. And there are certain times on the ride where you're convinced that you're going to lose your lunch on the guy in front of you. Have you ever been there? You know what I mean? You're, you're nauseous. Life is rarely predictable. Life, most of the time, is unpredictable. And see, God's grace never moves, but what happens when life moves you? When, when over and over, no matter how hard you try, your kids still reject you. When the relationship that you thought was always going to be there, all of a sudden, it's gone. When the routine doctor's appointment turns into the diagnosis you hoped you would never hear. What, what do you do when you receive the grace of God, man, and you give your life to Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden new things, exciting things begin to happen in your life? You start to go to church, and all kinds of positive things start to happen, and you get excited, and you go tell your friends and your family, and you think they'll get excited for you, and instead they reject you. And God's grace is always there, but all of a sudden the people who you thought would be there too, they're gone. Grace never moves. But what do you do when life moves you? I want to try to answer that today, and I want to try to answer it from one of the, one of the most puzzling and, and, and I'm convinced powerful passages in the Bible. I want to look at it from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up, turn it on, whatever you need to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 12 is where we're going to be. So go ahead and turn on your Bible, on your phone, mobile device, whatever you've got today. Open it up. Um, if, you've got a Bi- if you don't have a Bible with you, rather, uh, don't worry about it. The words are always on the screen behind me. So, you, so we don't want anybody to feel like they're lost or left out or anything like that. And hey, while people are turning there, turning that on, um, if you don't have a Bible, we've got free Bibles there in the back. You can just grab some on your way out. You don't have to like act all shady and shove it in your purse because you feel like you're stealing something. Um, we want you to steal our Bibles today. If you need to steal a Bible, steal it from Summit, okay? They're in the back. Don't even ask. But 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to be. And, and, and we're going to read the first 10 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says this, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to read the first six verses because the first six verses can be very confusing. Let's read the first six verses, and I'm going to stop and explain what what just happened. Watch this. Paul says this, I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body. I don't know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my own weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth 
but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. Stop right there because that just sounds like such a hard thing to grab and to understand. Here's what's happened. Paul says, I know a guy. I know a guy who 14 years ago, God came and took him up to the third heaven. And here's the funny thing about what Paul says. The guy that Paul knows is Paul. Paul is talking about himself. Apparently, 14 years prior to when Paul wrote this, Paul has this experience where God comes to Paul and God shows Paul what heaven is like. Wouldn't that be cool? It's like the ultimate backstage tour. You know what I'm saying? God comes to Paul, and, and Paul doesn't die or anything like that. Paul just, God just takes Paul to heaven and shows him around. How relevant is that for our world today, right? Heaven is for real. You've heard that book? Seen that movie? You know, can stuff like that really happen? What about near-death experiences? Did that little boy really experience that? Can that, thing, can that kind of stuff really happen? Hey, listen, I'll tell you what. If you've got questions like that, perfect thing to do with those questions Let's go to summithazard.com and put it on the summer playlist because this summer we're doing a series starting in June called Summer Playlist where you can go to our website, submit your questions about anything you want to get answered, and we're going to let you vote on the most popular, and your questions are what I'm going to answer for six weeks this summer. And listen, we opened that last Sunday, and we've literally gotten questions every day this week, and you guys are asking some awesome questions. But if you want to know, hey, can that stuff happen, near-death experiences and all that, you should Go to the website, submit it, and ask. But, but here's what happens. Think about you if that happened to you for a second, okay? I want you to imagine you're driving to work tomorrow and bam, Jesus Christ in the passenger seat. After you've peed on yourself and you try to collect yourself, he says, I know you're going to work, but you want to go to heaven real quick? You say, well, I've been late five times already, you know, so... Uh, right? No, you wouldn't. You'd say, yeah, boy. And so Jesus takes you to, imagine what you would do, right? If you got the ultimate backstage tour, God is showing you what heaven is like. You would tweet about it, hashtag heaven, you know, hashtag winning, right? You would put it on Facebook. You'd grab Moses and take a selfie. What's up? You know what I'm saying? Put it on Instagram. Moses is looking at Jesus. Why'd you let this guy in so early? Right? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. You would get fired up. You would get excited. Here's the interesting thing. Paul doesn't say, doesn't say anything about it. Instead, instead, Paul says this. I know a guy who was taken to heaven, and Paul is trying to so keep it under wraps. He says he saw things that I can't even talk about. And Paul is saying this, and here's the reason why Paul is so guarded about what happened in that experience. It's because God knows that Paul is tempted to give in to pride. And see, God hates pride. Oh, God hates pride. But God is attracted to weakness. See, God's attracted to the kind of weakness that says, God, I need you. And think about this. If if you're familiar a little bit with the life of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul has planted churches. He's led more people to Jesus than Jesus, literally, during Jesus' earthly ministry. Nobody has been more effective in the cause of Christ than the Apostle Paul. And then you stack onto that, man, that you go to heaven for a backstage tour. That's, the temptation is that you could give in to pride. And God knows it. And God wants to keep Paul useful. God wants to prevent Paul from giving in to pride. So let's continue to read 7 through 10. Here's where we're going to stay, stay the rest of the morning. Watch this. So to keep me from becoming conceited, what we just said, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, watch this, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, 
a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. See, the interesting thing about this that stands out that everybody wants to know once you read it is what is the thorn in the flesh? And here's the deal. Paul never says. There's nowhere in the Bible where Paul says exactly what the thorn in the flesh is. And there's different opinions that people have. Some people think it's an actual person. You know, because Paul says one time, a messenger of Satan was given to him. So some people think that the thorn in the flesh was an actual person that followed Paul around, and everywhere Paul, Paul went, in every city, somebody would mock him, ridicule him, try to spread gossip about him. But most people think it's some kind of physical condition. Some kind of physical condition. Something happens to Paul, and specifically people think it's something with his eyes. Something happens to Paul, and we can read in other letters where Paul begins to say from this moment forward, that thorn, when he gets it, all of a sudden he has vision problems. He has a, he has a hard time seeing. He doesn't go completely blind, but, but, but signs seem to say that something happened to Paul that caused him to lose a percentage of his sight. But what we need to notice is that Paul three times uses the word weakness. And see, God wrote the Bible. You know that God wrote the Bible. And because God wrote the Bible, when God repeats something like that three times in such a small space, he's trying to get our attention and say, don't miss this. So Paul files the thorn in the flesh under the category of weaknesses. What's a weakness? See, when Paul uses the word weakness here, he's not talking about sins that he struggles with. Instead, he's talking about this. He's talking about things that happen to him in his life that he would love to avoid. Things that happened to him in his life that he wished he didn't have to go through, but we all have to go through because the world is messed up. So Paul looks at this, this, uh, this vision problem, this thorn in the flesh, and think about a thorn. It's always there. It always hurts until you get it out. It always stings. You're always thinking about it. Paul files it under weakness. Hey, is there anything in your life that you would file under weakness? Anything in your life that you'd file under pain? Anything in your life that you'd file under difficulty, under inconvenience? Would you file anything in your life, past or present, as heartbreaking? Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's an employment issue. Maybe it's something with a relationship. Maybe it's a missed opportunity that, man, you think back on every single day, and the ramifications of missing that opportunity you think show up still to this day years ago, but you're convinced it's still there. Is there anything in your life that you'd file under weakness? See, the grace of God has not moved in Paul's life. God still loves Paul. He's for Paul, but life has moved Paul. And what do you do when grace never moves, but life moves you? I'll tell you what you can do, three things. We see three things in this passage that we can do because of grace. When life hits, when pain hits, difficulty comes into our lives. And listen, I've got good news today. If there's no pain or difficulty in your life, just wait a minute. It'll come. Right? If everything's awesome in your life right now, give it five minutes. Because the world is that broken. So when that comes into your life, because of grace, we can do three things. 
So if you're taking notes, you're probably going to want to write these down because pain is coming. Weakness is coming if it's not there already. Coming for me if it's not here already. And when it comes, because of grace, we can do three things. First thing we can do, first thing we can do is we can get real with God. Get real with God. I love that it doesn't say that Paul asked God to take it away. Instead, it says this. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. I love the word pleaded because what it says, and we don't get the dialogue or what that, what that conversation was like, but there were three really intense, long conversations between God and Paul where Paul went to God and said, God, this is awful. Would you just get this out of my life? Would you heal me already, God? This hurts. I can't see. I can't function the way. Life is not the way that it used to be. God, would you fix this? He, he doesn't sugarcoat it. <laughs> he, he doesn't gloss over it. God, it's no big deal. God, everything's awesome. Paul gets real with God and names it for what it is. I, I, think, I think about it this way. Have you ever been to dinner at somebody's house and they give you the food and they give you the meal and, they, and this, the meal sits down in front of you? You take your fork, you put your fork in, you put it in your mouth and you're chewing and in the moment you chew, you have this thought. This is awful. Right? Have you ever done that? You've been to somebody's house and they give you a meal and you're like, oh, mm, mm, oh. And you, and you know that for how, 45 minutes to an hour, you're going to have to shove this down and you're thinking, is this the dog's food? Did you give me, get this mixed up? Now, when that happens, you tell me, when that happens, when that happens, what's the first thing they ask you? How is it? Right? Is it good? Is it good? And you're thinking, no, it's awful. Do you hate me? But what do you do when they say, is it good? What do you, what do, you do? I'll tell you, now we're in church. Don't, don't, no, we're in church. This is, it's okay to not be okay here. Safe place, no perfect people allowed. What do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You do what I do. You do what we all do. You lie. That's what you do. Jesus died for liars. He loves liars. Praise God, I'm forgiven. Jesus, help me, but I'm going to lie right now. I'm going to do it, God. How is it? How is it, is it awesome? It is great. Can I have the recipe? Because I would eat this all day, every day. Right? Right? I mean, get real. Get real. This stinks is what it is. This is awful. You're convinced, oh man, you're trying not to throw up in your mouth. It's that bad. We can do that with God. We look at our life and we think, God, we, we look at our life, we try to sugarcoat our life. We try to, try to gloss over our life and we try to pretend before God as if it's not as bad as he knows and we know it really is. And see, here's the beauty of grace. The beauty of grace is that you and I can get real with God. And in our moments where we are so honest and raw with God, we are still perfectly loved by our Heavenly Father. See, some of you today, this is all you came for. This is the only reason God brought you for this point in the sermon. Some of you today, you need to get real with God. You need to get real with God. You need to go to God and say this, God, this is awful. God, I was raped. God, why did you let them do that to me? Some of you need to get honest with God and you need to say this. God, why is it that my life looks like it's falling apart and they just go off scot-free? You've been thinking it and God knows you've been thinking it and you need to get real with God. 
Some of you need to get real with God and say, God, why haven't you stopped them from saying this yet? Say, we can't talk to God this way. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. The book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. We're going to do an entire series on this in the month of of August called Honest, but read through the book of Psalms. Radical honesty before God. There's a book in the Bible called Lamentations. Lamentations. Theme of that book is not happy, happy, joy, joy. Okay? It is honest before God. God, this stinks. Hey, if you're mad at God, tell him. Tell him. He's not shocked, and he's a big boy. He can take it. And see, the reason that Paul gets honest, he is pleading with God. See, Paul isn't just, isn't just freaking out before God. This is a strategic move on Paul's part because Paul knows this. If there is anybody who can fix this thorn, it's God. See, because when pain and difficulty, when weakness come into our lives, here's what we say. Where is God? Where is God when this happened? And what Paul knows is that in the midst of the thorn, God is where God always is, on the throne of the universe, in control of all things. And he loves me so much, his grace means I can get real with him and be honest before him because he is the one in charge of my life in this moment. You need to get real with God. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't gloss over it. You're hurting. It's time to get real. And see, because of grace, we can get real with God. But see, the second thing we can do because of grace is we can remember that weakness is never in vain. Weakness is never in vain. So Paul goes to God and he says, God, would you take this away? Would you take this away from me right now? And how many of you have ever heard that God answers prayer three ways? Yes, no, and later. You ever heard that? It's not any, none of, God doesn't say any of those. Instead, here's what God says. Paul says, take this away, God. Would you just take this away from me? Verse 9, he says to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Not a yes, not a no, not a later. My grace is enough. My, my grace is enough right now. And here's what God is saying to Paul when he says, Paul, my grace is enough. What he means is this. Paul, this hurts. I know it's hard, but Paul, I need you to know I'm going to use this in your life. I'm going to use this in your life. I'm going to use this pain to produce things in your life. Because church, I'm just telling you, God has the ability to take the darkest moments and make them into the greatest sign of his grace. God's got the ability to step into the darkest moments of our lives and turn those dark moments for the greatest good. If you don't think that's true, go back a couple of weeks to Easter. The darkest moment in history is Jesus on the cross, and God turns it into the greatest good when Jesus comes from the dead for our salvation. See, here's what we need to remember, and you might want to write this down in your notes. Every weakness is an opportunity. Every weakness is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for God to get his hands down deep and dirty into our lives. And in in, in spite of the pain, God can use the pain to produce in us things that we wouldn't have apart from the pain. Let let me ask this question. Does anybody here love pain? Raise your hand. Is Is there someone so twisted among us this morning that you would say, I love pain? Raise your hand so that we can back away slowly so that you don't harm us. Right? We don't love pain, do we? We hate pain. We hate pain. In fact, we do all we can to avoid pain, right? 
I mean, that's the exact reason that January 1st, every year, everybody says they want to get in shape, and this is the final year, this is the year when they're going to run the marathon. But February 1st, pass the Twinkies, right? Because between January 1 and February 1, all of a sudden, hey, you know what? No pain, no gain. We don't like pain. We don't like weakness. But here's what we need to know. Our proclivity and our tendency to try to avoid pain and weakness at all costs causes us to miss opportunities when God would want to use pain to make us like him. You don't believe this? Let me show you. I think we got this up on the screen. Look at this, James chapter 1, verse 2 through 3. All of our life groups have been reading James this week. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Some of us, the the pain and the weakness we've been trying to avoid and gloss over and soften, God wants to use that very thing to build into us perseverance. Every weakness is an opportunity from God for him to produce in us characteristics and traits that we need to have and we won't get apart from pain. Pain is an opportunity for God to make us holy. Pain is an opportunity for God, as much as we hate it and as much as God grieves with us, pain is an opportunity for God to step into our lives and make us like Jesus. Hey, some of you are here, you're not even a Christian, but here's why you're here today, and here's why you've been coming for the past couple of weeks. You are in the darkest moment of your life right now, and here's what you thought when you looked at that situation. I don't know what to do, but what can I do? We need to go to church. We need to, go, we, we need to get in church. So all of a sudden, what got you here, and, what, and we're excited that you're here, but what got you and your family here is you are in the middle of a situation that you never thought you would ever have to deal with. And I want to say to you that God wants to use the weakness that you are in. God wants to meet you at the bottom of the pit so that he can use that weakness, so that he can use it, so that it leads to you coming to God and giving him your life for the very first time time. I mean, is there anybody in here that just by simply raising your hands or clapping your hands, you would just testify today and say, there has been a time where it was dark and it looked like it was over, but God met me at the bottom of the pit and brought me through. Is there anybody like that today? Anybody? See, look at that. Look at that. Why? Because pain is an opportunity. Pain stinks. Pain stinks. It is awful, but God can step into the darkest moment and turn it for the greatest good. Weakness is never in vain. Weakness is never in vain. So grace causes, us, grace causes us to be able to get real with God, to know that weakness is never in vain. But also, number three, last thing, grace causes us to make the leap. Grace helps us to make the leap. So the second that Paul hears that God can use this, that this thorn isn't for nothing, all of a sudden Paul says this, well, then I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. God, take this away. But God, thank you that you can use this in my life. See, when weakness comes, when pain comes, grace doesn't move. But when life moves you, you've got two options. You can protest God or you can praise God. You can protest God and you can say, God, I don't know why you're doing this to me. I feel like you have let me down. And you can get so bitter and angry at God that you ultimately, and I see this happen all the time with people, they walk away from God. And instead of pain leading to a deeper relationship with God, pain has the opposite effect on them. They choose to walk away from God. You can protest God or you can praise God. And praise God doesn't mean, God, thank you for the thorn. The thorn is awesome. Life is so much better with the thorn. No, it's God, thank you for how you're going to use this in my life. I hate the thorn. 
I hate this disease. I hate that they died so soon. I hate that we're we're so stuck, it seems. But God, you're using this to make me into somebody I wouldn't be without the pain. God, in in my weakness, you're strong. So God, thank you that you can use this. God, it feels like the world has rejected me, but thank you that you never reject me. God, we've got this need and we don't know how we're going to make ends meet, but God, thank you that you are a provider. God, thank you that in my weakness, in my brokenness, you can meet me in my hurt and you are strong. See, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're going through today. But what I do know is that weakness is already there or it's coming. If it's not already there in some way, shape, or form, it is coming. And see, what I want to say to you, some of you, you're hurting so bad and you're going through this weakness, you're going through this this pain, this situation, and it feels like this thorn in the flesh. What I would want to say to you today, if that's you, if that's where you're at, what I would want to say to you is lean in to God today. Lean into God and get real with God and say, God, would you change this? Would you take this out of my life? Grace gives you the ability to get real with God. Lean into God. Don't go away from him, but also know that God can use this in your life. God's got a bigger plan for your life and know that God grieves with you in the midst of the pain. Friends, we don't have a God that's in heaven that's just watching us suffer and he laughs at us. No, God hurts when we hurt. And God knows our pain because God felt pain when his son died for all of us. And God enters into the pain. And so don't lean away from him. Lean in to God. And and if you would lean into God today, if you would go to God today right here, for those of you who are hurting, you're struggling, you've got questions, you feel like you're at the end of your rope, if you would lean into God today, what you'll find is that in your weakness, he is strong. Some of you are here today, you're not a Christian. And the bottom of the pit is what brought you in the room. Maybe it's your first time, maybe it's your 20th time. But you don't have a relationship with Jesus. But what you do know is you can't fix it because you've tried. What you do know is you don't have the strength to put put this one together. And so, so pain has brought you in the room. And I want to say to you today, I want to say to you today that God's grace can meet you in your darkest moment and turn your darkest moment into the greatest good. So that today you've come, we don't know what else to do, we need to start going to church, and there you are in that seat. And I want to say to you, Jesus Christ is ready today with open arms for you to go to him, for you to receive his grace, and he can radically change your life. You might walk out of this room today, and the pain is still there, the situation is still there, but if you go to God today, what it means is you will never go through that pain alone. If you come to Jesus today for the very first time, what it means is that in your weakness, you will find strength that you've never known before. Strength to hope. Strength to keep going. Strength to carry on. Jesus died for you. And it is time to stop running. It is time to stop trying to figure this out. It is time for you to simply come to Jesus today and give him your life. And he will not reject you. Instead, what he will do is he will receive you and there will be a banner that says, Welcome home.
And what you will find is that in your moment of weakness, He is strong. Church, would you pray with me today? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, in a crowd this size, I know that there are people for whom life has not went the way they thought it was going to go. I know there's people that, that as they've listened to this, they're looking at circumstances and there are things that they would file under weaknesses. And today's the day to get real. Today's the day to know that God has a purpose in the midst of the pain. And God, I pray that you would begin to give a lot of strength right here in this room for people for the very first time in the midst of the pain to say, God, take the pain away but I will praise you regardless. I will thank you no matter what comes. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, I want to ask you a question today and I'm going to let you fill in the blanks for this question the way that you need to fill in the blanks for this question. But I just believe that today is a day where some people got to get desperate because you're at the end of your rope and you're hurting so bad and there's so much stuff going on in your life that you know and God knows, hey, remember, it's time to get real. You both know it's almost over and you're about to walk out. You're about to walk away from this church. You're about to walk away from God. You're about to walk away from people that love you. I just know that if we got real for a moment, there's a lot of people in this room that would say, you know what, I'm hurting today. I'm really hurting. So I'm going to ask you a question today, and I'm going to let you fill in the specifics of it on your own. If you're here today, and you would say, Mark, I'm really hurting today, would you pray for me? Raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand. i got stuff going on. Would you? I'm hurting right now. Hands are going up. Hand. There's a hand. There's a hand. Here's a hand right here. Here's a hand right here. There are hands over there. There are hands in the back. Hands over there. Here's what I want to say to you. Listen, God does not want you to go through that hurt alone. God doesn't want you to go through the pain alone. God wants you to know that you are loved. And so here's what I want you to do today. I want you to know you're not going to be judged today. You're not going to be threatened. You're not going to be asked to say anything that you don't need to say. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. I know that God wants to enter into your life. For those of you who raised your hands, you didn't raise your hand. God wants to enter into your situation right now and say, don't quit. Keep going. I, I'm going to turn this even though you don't see it. Don't quit. So listen, if you just raised your hand to simply say, I'm hurting right now. I am not doing well. I want you to get up out of your seat right now. Take somebody with you if you have to. Make your way to the back of the auditorium. We want to pray with you. Go right now. Go, go right now. Go right now. It doesn't matter if you raise your hand or not. You just go. People are going. People are moving, and if you need to move, you move. Go. I, I am not doing well right now. I am hurting. I don't know how we're going to fix this. I don't know what to do. You go right now. It's time to get real today at Summit. It's time to get real. Just go. Just go. Nobody's going to judge you. Ask for all kinds of details. You just go. If you need to get up and go, you get up and go right now. People are moving, you go. 
For those of you that help out with response and counseling there in the back, we've got a lot of people moving. Maybe if you haven't moved, would you get up and go to the back there and help? And, and just, we've got several people that are moving. You get up and go right now. Say, I'm not doing well. I, I, man, I need to be encouraged. Just get up and go. People are going. You're not doing this one alone today. There's a lot of movement. You go. Now let me ask this question. Today, are you here and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ? You do not have a relationship with Him. Listen, you don't have to be at the bottom of the pit to know that you need, you need God. For some of you, your life might be all together, but you know, hey, you know what? I still feel empty. I need God. Some of you, you might be at the bottom of the pit and you know, I need Jesus more than ever right now. I need Him in my life. If you're here today and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, stop fighting, stop running. Today's the day to surrender. If you want to ask God to come into your life to forgive you for your sin and to start a relationship with Him, I'm going to pray a prayer. And listen, these are not magic words. But if you want to verbalize what God is doing in your life, man, something inside of you is just saying, I need God. I need Him today. I want to say to you, that's the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore Him. Give your life to Him. So if today you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I invite you right there where you're at to pray this prayer between you and God today. Pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I want to live for you to the best that I can from today forward. Here's my life. Use me. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Amen. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, did you just do that? Did you just pray to give your life to Jesus Christ? It's the biggest decision you've ever made. And today we want to celebrate with you. If you are making the decision today to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to count to three. And anybody that made that decision, as soon as I say three, I want you to shoot your hand high up into the air to say that today is the day I give my life to Jesus Christ. One, two, three. Raise it right now if that's you. If you want to be saved today and give your life to Christ, I want you to raise your hand right now. And if you are making that decision, I want you to look at me. I need you to look at me right now. Here's what I want to say to you. On the back of your connection card, there's a box that says, I give my life to Christ. Check that box today. Don't leave until you check that box. And on your way out, would you give it to somebody? And at the back of the auditorium, we've got a free Bible and a green book that says, Seek First. We want to give that book, put it in your hand to help you. The biggest decision you've ever made. We want to celebrate with you today. Jesus, thank you that you love us. Regardless of where we're at right now, maybe we're hurting, struggling, feel moved by life. Your grace hasn't moved. And we're loved now just as much as we've always been by you. We're just as much as your children in the midst of the pain as we are when there is no pain. So Father, as we leave here today, let us leave with this on our hearts. That no matter how much life moves us, you never move. You are the constant in our lives. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Church, let's thank God for today. And it's just awesome. So many people, and a lot of people are still in the back, just taking that time to get real with God. You guys take your time. Here's what I want to say to us. Uh, right now, we're going to make a quick change. Uh, I'm going to go in the back. Several of us are going to go in the back. We're going to get ready to do baptisms outside today. If you need to leave, 
fine. You, uh, that's, that's perfectly fine. But if you can stick around for about three or four minutes, uh, we're going to go outside and play in the pool for a little while. And uh, um, so we'd love for you to stick around for that. That's right outside. And, and, and some of you stick around, man. Let's cheer these guys on. We've got, we got some guys doing this today. Let's cheer them on. Hey, guys, next week, Mother's Day, look at, all, look at these empty seats. Somebody you know could be sitting there next week, and God might change their life. Let's bring them. Let's watch God do something great. Hey, love you guys. You're dismissed. Hope to see some of you stick around outside.